CEO School, hosted by Sunira Madhani, is brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destinations for business professionals. Inspiring women to make their mark, CEO School gives you empowering stories and game-changing strategies from top-tier female leaders. CEO School is here to help close the gender gap in the business world because when women prosper, we all prosper. Dive into the latest episode where Sunira Madhani sits down with Maya Manel of Nav.it, an app that's changing how women manage money and mental wellness. Whatever episode you choose, CEO School is your roadmap to level up in leadership. Listen to CEO School wherever you get your podcasts. Yo everyone, welcome back. Brandy Tekish in the building. Back on a roll again. It's me, Michael Bain, the CEO of Pocket and Pocket Jobs. And I'm joined with... Abadesi Osinsade, CEO of Hustle Crew. Follow us at Hustle Crew Live. Abadesi in the house. All right, cool. I think we've done a, a like throwback episode on scammers, but the scammers keep scamming. The scams never end, especially in tech. Scammers keep scamming. So there was an app called IRL. I never heard of it. I think it was targeted at Gen Z. It was meant to be some sort of event organizing platform. And can I say, by the way, like the amount of first time founders that hit me up talking about they want to do like an event app. I want to help people find things to do and have <laughs> hobbies. I'm like, dude, this ain't going to work. Dude, do that. This most likely ain't going to run. I'm gonna, I've heard this idea about 25 times mm. and like, it's such a hard thing to execute. It's because everyone who's young is always looking for things to do. So they're like, yeah. oh, let me build an app that helps me solve that problem. But the rest of us just want to sit at home and watch TV. I right? Stop coming to us with these apps. I'm joking. I'm playing. So this was an app that I think was meant to do that. Essentially, the board investigated because they were a bit worried about some of the things. They weren't looking that good. And they found yeah. out that up to 95% of its reported 20 million users were not real. They were complete... What? bots basically were they um, like farm in a farm somewhere like where no they where, just where i don't they? know they're just faking it it weren't real like oh, i don't know right, and the ceo's now had to step down and he's basically in a whole heap of trouble it's crazy how many, uh, this is what i don't understand so we had that situation with frank which is the yes. app that was sold to jp morgan i believe mm-hmm. that was meant to be an app for student loan payments blah 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 turned out to be most of the users were fake in that situation that is wild but i sort of understand where you have fake users and you try to cash out you're like let me just cash out and dump this piece of shit and run basically right yes i don't know why she wasn't living in mexico or where she, she yeah exactly back. i don't know what she was thinking there but anyways this person was that their intention as well you reckon it was to scale up get enough users and just cash out and like, Do you know what it is? I think it's like, again, that idea of like snowball effect. Like at mm. one point they needed X amount of fake users to, raise I money. don't know, sign a new partner, raise money or whatever, got in touch with some kind of like farm in India or Ukraine and paid yeah. for them. Right. Cause you can literally pay people and they will get people to sit under computer and log in. And then before you knew it, like someone else needed, you know, data on like their engagement or their users and then they just couldn't like back down i don't know it's partly the game let's not lie like people are being encouraged to do shady things for vanity metrics and whatever but yeah there's always going to be scammers it's com- it's competition and you know scamming is a strategy <laughs> it I, is I mean, a strategy I, I, I think tech makes the scamming very very easy i'll be honest with you because how much due diligence is actually done like it's very much a FOMO based economy where at least definitely during the bull market where it's like, oh, you know, Sequoia's invested in that round. Oh yeah, get me in, get me in. No one's yes. sitting there thinking, let me do an extensive look into the user base. Let me talk to three of your customers and let yes. me talk to three random customers. So I know that you're not just giving me the handpicked ones. Like who's doing that? And actually a lot of times there was almost too much founder power because I did hear mm. a lot of founders would, if anybody did ask for due diligence, they're like, oh, forget you. I'm going to that VC firm now or I'm going to that Fair. agent. So it, it was a breeding ground for this type of stuff to happen because there's a lot of scrupulous people out here. We're like, hold on, so I can get money to cash out in a secondary and, you know, maybe get the hell out of town. 
And then maybe actually, so I know we talk about succession too much, but actually when you rewatch that finale or the kind of final season, the dude who had the Swedish act, whatever, he had all these fake users in India, didn't he? He was like, I got all these fake users in India. Yeah, exactly. And he's like, and he's like don't worry because we're going to grow into those numbers. So I think that probably is what people think. I don't think, about, I don't know about the Frank app because obviously she sold the app, the company. Yeah. This person, he maybe thought, we'll get to 20 million eventually. So like, it's good. The thing be- is, that's just a lie you tell yourself. Like yeah. if you're going to get to them eventually, why don't you just get to them now? But yeah, I feel like it's also, we just need more repercussions for scammers because how many people look when the WeWork papers came out and everyone was like, oh, Adam Newman's employed like half his family on the six figure salary, like literally just inventing jobs for like moms and pops and brother and cousin to do. And then like a few years later, he was just like back out raising again for some kind of like sustainability or climate startup. Like there's no repercussions for scammers if you scam that doesn't break the law. Like it's not illegal to lie about your users, apparently. Yeah, but I think unless Adam, you're going public, and but I think Adam Newman though skated the line, and what I mean by that <laughs> is, I think he held the line between absolute out and out fraud and just basically bullshit merchant. Because essentially, what he did is he took a real business. WeWork is a real business. We've used WeWork. So yeah. We probably will use WeWork. There's loads of WeWorks. We can physically see this is a real company. But he bullshitted his way to a valuation that was so insane. Spent yeah. his way to have spent his way in an insane way set the structure up in a way where there was no accountability. Like you said, he owned the trademark personally, his family owned lots of buildings. It was a cash cow for him and his family. But the reason why he's able to go out and raise money today, even though the value of WeWork is nowhere and it's actually less than what he took out of the business is because those early investors made money. So if you bought, if you invested a hundred K into WeWork in the seed round or an angel investment round, it did go public and you did make a lot of money. So they're looking at this guy saying, he's the horse I want to ride to the the, the millions. (laughs) He's going to make me money. Even if it is in a very scrupulous horrible way whereas these people now are just basically saying we haven't got a real product we don't have anyone using this product it's all smoke and mirrors it's all mirage i want a hundred million dollars and that's what (laughs) you're going to end up in a jail cell next to elizabeth holmes that's what i'm saying fair Um, fair fair and, and good riddance So speaking of money, let's talk about your favorite show. I believe on a previous episode of this podcast, you said that Succession could be the greatest show ever made. The GOAT, baby, the GOAT. <laughs> well, it looks like the Emmys agree with you. Mm. It has a staggering 27 nominations, wow, including a record-breaking or uh, history-making first it is the first show to nab three drama actor slots for Jeremy Strong, Brian Cox, and Kieran, a.k.a. Logan, Kendall, and mm. Rome. So, is this deserved? Is this surprising? What do you think? I think everyone but Greg probably should have got nominated. I think, I don't know, <laughs> I think the actress who plays Siobhan should have got nominated. I think all of them. It was all masterful performances all around, I'll be honest with you. There's probably not enough categories. I love the show. I thought the show was amazing. I thought they landed the plane when it comes to the finale, like a lot of times you watch a show where you're like, they didn't land the plane, bro. This is terrible. Like, I still don't like the Sopranos ending. I still thought Breaking Brad's ending was probably too cliche and too much of like a neat bow. I love this ending where it's like, nobody got what they wanted. Yeah. And, this and was Shiv actually- is nominated, just so you know, by the way. Oh, okay. Shout out to Shiv. Whatever everyone is. <laughs> Sarah Snook. Sarah Snook. There we go. The Australian. What about Tom? Tom get nominated. Google that one. Fact check that because I, I need to know if Tom did it, man. He won the show. So did, he, did he win an award? Is he nominated? I know, right? Who, what's the name of the actor that plays Tom Wan's Gans? I don't know. Yeah, forget it. Anyways, I'm sure he did. Well, that's our producer. <laughs> yeah. But, Matthew um, McFadden. Here we go. I'll I, think it, I think it was well-deserved and I will miss the show. That's all I'm going to say. And I hope they Damn. don't, I hope they don't do any sequels. I hope they don't do any prequels. Just leave it be. It's done. You know what I'm saying? Cause I think the producer, the, the creator of the show came out and said, this show is about who succeeded their father. And as far as we're concerned, that story is now over. 
that's that yeah that story's now over and there's, there's, we've lost interest in those characters now it's that they're gonna go off Amazing. and their billionaire lives you know what i'm saying because there really was no the reality of that show was there was no real tension in the sense they're all billionaires they could all live on a beach and relax yeah. do you know what i mean there was no <laughs> there was no real tension it was like oh my god they're gonna die it was like no listen they just wanted to they were all just traumatized kids the stakes were high the stakes were high you could go from being extremely rich to being the richest <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> by the way tom one's guns did also receive a nomination thanks to our producer olivia uh nominated for supporting actor Category. yeah yeah you know what that, that whole concept of like there's no stakes in the show my favorite line is when i think they found out that their dad was going to sell the company and then jeremy strong's character was like oh man like dad man what are you gonna do like put take the five billion and put it next to your other pile and he's like yeah <laughs> and he's like, I was like i said but what are we meant to do and he's like go make your own pile and uh, now, respect. Should, the show should have went to credits then and just edit ended like <laughs> go make your own pile that's the end of the show you sport brats like stop trying to coast off what your daddy did like take it over like do your own thing Fair. You know what I, mean? I mean he did it he did it he came from nothing into something sticking in uh, the theme of show business we've given succession enough airtime talk to me about kiki palmer <laughs> Oh, all I'm saying is do not go to the Usher concert if you want to maintain your relationship. That's what I'm saying. Um, oh, you took your boo to Beyonce. Your, your relationship's <laughs> yeah, still fine. But that's different. Usher's Usher. You know what I'm saying? Usher, Usher. I think uh, every... I've heard this is the best show on earth. Like, literally. The review from Kimberly Foster for Harriet, I was just like, when am I going to Vegas? Let me start researching flights. <laughs> yeah, so Usher's just been killing it. So I think Kiki Palmer, who, you know, she's her career's bubbling up. She's amazing multifaceted talented everything um she basically went to the show Usher came and serenaded her and they got a little close it wasn't nothing too crazy and it was a nice you know romantic moment i think then her then i'm not sure what their relationship status is whether they're boyfriend girlfriend or ma- married or if you're engaged but he basically came out and was like upset on twitter um, oh interesting and, and went public with it basically saying like oh but you're a mother how are you dressed like this blah 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 and shout out to Kiki Palmer. She's not really, you know, engaged with the mess. She just basically came out there and just promoted a new product based on the, <laughs> and tried to get, make some money out of this. So shout out to her. I just found it funny, man. Just, yeah, listen, man. I, I, I mean, I, his I, tweet I, was I, just really like nice. that outfit though. You a mom. Like he's like teasing, right? As in like, what's mom doing out? Like, you know, basically. I don't think it's... he was teasing. I don't think he was, no. I think he genuinely was like, yo, like what the hell are you doing? Type <laughs> <laughs> he jealous. Oh, he jealous. Everyone jealous of Usher though. That's all I'm gonna say. But shout out to Usher, man. Usher, Usher is Usher is one of the greatest of all time. I don't think he's got his flowers really. He's got you know it bad. Yeah, that's what. Usher fan. Sorry, yeah, I know, terrible. <laughs> I'm gonna do a U-turn and move on to another subject. Hey. <laughs> Let's do it my way. <laughs> oh, okay. At this point, the audience turns off. I'm joking. Okay. <laughs> Companies are under pressure right now pressure to get more leads close deals faster and get better insights to create the best experience for customers a crm can help but not just any crm one that is easy to set up intuitive to use and customizable to the way you do business that's where hubspot comes in hubspot crm is easy for everyone to use on day one and helps teams to be more productive drag and drop your way to attention grabbing emails and landing pages set up marketing automations to give every contact white glove treatment Plus, AI-powered tools like Content Assistant means less time spent on tedious manual tasks and more time for what matters, your customers. HubSpot CRM has all the tools you need to wow prospects, lock in deals, and improve customer service response times. Get started for free today at HubSpot.com. Are you ready to unlock your potential and advance your career? Join Asana, a leading work management platform that's pioneering the future of work. Asana has a number of growth opportunities, including leadership positions across all departments, and they have a thriving black ERG that fosters real community. 
At Asana, you'll work alongside passionate people who are committed to your professional development. Every employee gets access to coaching sessions and a career growth budget, which is designed to be spent on your technical skills development. Visit asana.com slash jobs. That's asana.com slash jobs to explore open roles at Asana and join a company that supports your growth. Let's talk about celebrities suing OpenAI over like copyright infringement. Okay, yeah. So the comedian Sarah Silverman, I mean, this is genius. This is like the kind of thing that I feel happens in a very litigious society. No shade to Sarah Silverman. I mean, I'm sure she has a genuine case, but she's suing OpenAI and Meta claiming that her books were used to train AI models. Now, I find this lawsuit fascinating, right? Because at the end of the day, only the Kenyan workers know what data is really being used to train these AI models. And they're going to be under some crazy NDAs or whatever. So I'm just wondering, could previous episodes of Techish potentially be training AI models? Could articles from people of color in tech.com be training AI models? Recordings of hustle crew workshops, training AI models. And if this case gets somewhere, should we get a lawyer? Should we lawyer up? You love listening to podcasts, but have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? Maybe you want to build a brand, grow your business, or are looking for an excuse to talk about your favorite hobby. Whatever your reason for making a podcast, Buzzsprout is the place to start. Since 2009, Buzzsprout has helped over 300,000 people launch their own podcasts. Buzzsprout walks you step-by-step through the whole process and will give you powerful tools to start, grow, and monetize your podcast. Ready to get started? Click the link in the show notes to get our free step-by-step guide to starting your podcast today. You know what? I think she's completely in the right and I hope she gets, she wins. I think we might be in such an early stage with these sort of generative AI models that going forward, we might look back and say, how is it possible that nobody was getting paid basically from this? So I know Reddit, the actual company is basically, you know, clamoring for a lawsuit. I don't know if they filed one, but they're basically saying, listen, you have trained your data on Reddit essentially. And that's not fair. That's our intellectual property. Even though it's insane to say that because it's actually the users should basically be the ones who are saying this is our, IP, but essentially when you type onto a forum like Reddit, Reddit, yeah. owns it, Reddit owns it all basically, even if it's your words, your life story, whatever. There's going to have to be some sort of arrangement. I think there's going to have to be some pay for play when it comes to scraping data and training your AI model. This can't go on forever where basically no. like, this company just goes in there and just rampages all the data and uses that to generate billions of dollars for themselves. Because I pay ChatGPT 20 bucks a month. That Some of that money should really be going to the people who helped give me who helped create that, you know, that information that this, it's based on. So shout out to Sarah Silverman. Hopefully she wins. Do you know? Yeah. I wonder how she discovered that. Do you reckon she was in there just typing away and saying like, what happens in this book? And then it just came back with a verbatim quote. From I don't know, but book. I want to know because I want to find out because I, I might have a case. I might have a case. I don't know. It feels like some low hanging fruit there. <laughs> Interesting. I wonder how it works though. Like, I don't know. Anyways. Well, apparently they did not consent to the use of their copyrighted books as training materials for ChatGPT. I mean, your point's really interesting because if they had like quotes from their book on their Facebook page, does that then right. become cop- like property of Facebook? No, it's they still have the copyright, right? So I don't know. Well, apparently, yeah. The suit claims the author's works were obtained from shadow library sites that have been the interest of the AI community. This is from a Guardian article I read. It includes exhibits claiming that when prompted, OpenAI was able to summarize three books, and I guess the summaries just included quotes and stuff that just violate the copyright. 
So let's talk about the mass exodus of diversity, equity, and inclusion leaders from the tech industry. This was covered in, in People of Color in Tech, and this is also covered in Fast Company. It's what? July when we're recording this, Juneteenth is, you know, not that far away from recent mm -hmm. memory. And it's only been a few years since the tragic events of 2020 that led to the unjust killings of people like George Floyd and Breonna Taylor. And it's just so interesting, isn't it? This industry that's focused on making the world a better place, improving our lives through technology, no longer seems interested in improving the cultures of their company or their mm -hmm. teams or improving mm -hmm. the representation. So I guess my first question for you is, what do you think is really behind this huge scale back? I mean, we've seen it at Twitter, we're seeing it at gaming companies like Riot Games, you've reported on like a bunch of other departures. What is fueling this clawback? Is it just the economic downturn or is there something deeper at play here? I think it's a combination of both really. I think it's something deeper in a sense that I don't think the companies were fully bought in. I think it was just in response mm. to widespread public backlash at that time yes. and based yes. on that momentum, budgets got allocated. Now I think now's the time to review those budgets maybe after a two, three year period and then it's yeah. coincided with a market that's changed. We're no longer under a 0% interest phenomenon. Everything now is really tight. Companies are really feeling the pinch and the companies that did the layoffs, let me look at them. It's Warner Brothers, it's Disney, it's Netflix mm -hmm. and it's the Academy of Motion Pictures and Arts. I think it's the Oscars basically. So these are all companies that are feeling the pain a little bit also in the current market. Media hasn't done that well. A lot of the stock prices have gone down and what's the first thing to get cut? Anything that's deemed as frivolous, anything that's deemed as non-essential and unfortunately DEI is kind of put under that bracket so hope the four and it's four black women as well who Absolutely. have left i hope they you know they land on their feet and they find new roles for themselves but it is it's not a good sign um and yeah it's a it's an indication of where we're heading really i think a lot of the 2020 stuff is just completely gone out the window it's over we've mentioned this before but it's, it's i just feel bad for the people who collaborated with these organizations off the back of these promises you might be a community partner you might be a supplier you might be an employee you might have got bought into the mission the minute they made this pledge to be anti-racist to be equitable and you know what two three years later it's all being abandoned over the timeline of your partnership or your collaboration. That's not very long. And that must just feel like such a betrayal. Yeah, I think so. I think so. You know, actually, I think we do need to talk about media. And I think there's actually now the writers were on strike, but now I think mm. the actors are also on strike. At the time of recording, literally at the premiere of the new Christopher Nolan movie, Oppenheimer, like Chris Nolan did the premiere, hey everyone, and they said, listen, we're all going, that's it. We're on a strike now, basically, just at the launch wow. of the... Uh, yeah, oh, yes, the, so you're right. The cast walked out, didn't they? cast walked out, yeah. So there's solidarity there amongst all of the kind of workers, all the actors and the writers. Took them a minute. <laughs> Took them a minute to strike, though, the actors. Haven't writers been on strikes for, like, months? But it's not, it's separate, basically. So the writers are right. on strike for their own reason and the actors are on strike for their own negotiations. I think the last time that both were on strike simultaneously was like in the 70s, basically. And I don't Got think it. it's a coincidence that this is coinciding with the streaming era. Essentially, mm. what happened was back in the day, as a you know TV producer or the creator of a TV show, you'd get it placed on a network. And if you got reruns because of TV adverts and the like, your residual checks would be healthy. All the actors were getting paid. Like I know, uh, and I only know this really because of the actor that was in the Cosby show. He had a bit part role. When Bill Cosby got rightfully cancelled, he was yeah. seen basically bagging groceries because for 40 years, he didn't have a job. He was just living off the residuals of the Cosby show for like 30, wow. 40 years. So these residual checks could potentially be healthy if your show got into syndication. 
But what's yeah. happening now with streaming, those residual checks are now going down to like five bucks an episode, two bucks an episode. You know, yeah. you can be a main actor in the show and you're not seeing much really. You can't really Oof. live off it. And it's because I, personally, I'm starting to think the business model of streaming doesn't really work. I think it works for the consumer where we were like, cool, for seven bucks a month, I get the entire content library <laughs> of the world. At one point, that's, wow, literally what, yeah. Yeah, that's literally what Netflix was. Then eventually Netflix squeezed all the other companies and they were like, crap, we need to do our own streaming platforms now. So for now seven bucks, maybe you get Disney Plus. For seven bucks, you get Amazon, blah, 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 blah. But we're so now used to having no adverts for paying yeah. a certain amount, a relatively low amount to get a, yeah. a massive amount of content. It's now starting to squeeze um, everybody else. And True. I know you can easily sit here and say, oh, it's the greed of the studio. It's the greed yeah. of, of, of the streaming networks. But they were just as greedy before when it was the old model and yet there was still money going around. So I do It's believe- also our greed, right? And our perception of the value. Yes and no, but consumers are always going to want the thing for the lowest price possible. If that's what's been offered to us, we're going to take it. Do you know what I'm saying? But I think the arms race of streaming has now meant that like the writers and actors are just are getting squeezed, especially at the low end. The top end people are fine. DiCaprio yeah. is fine. He's getting a hundred bajillion dollars for just saying yeah. five lines in it. But like I saw one of the actors from Insecure, he tweeted mm. or he threaded, I need to get used to saying that, he threaded that he got... 10 letters i think and they were all 10 residual checks and he was like oh i'm time for the money he opened yeah. it up and it was like 83 dollars in, co- oh, in total basically right and this is a working actor this is like is can you now be an actor who's not a main star but you just happen to be a working actor and earn maybe 100 yeah. a year i don't know if you can anymore really i'm sure there was guys out here that, mean, we, that we didn't really know who they were but they yeah. had bit part show roles in certain shows and they yeah. were on six figures and they could live a middle class life this is a really fascinating debate and I don't have enough information to answer it now, but you know, some of the podcasts that I listen to, for example, like this is important by like three actors. I really like are also comedians. They talk about this too. Like when they shut the mines, people who dug coal were like out of work. And they mm-hmm. were saying that like, is there like an existential threat to writers? Right. Because if everything does go to generative AI, will there be a need for humans to do it? Of course, that is like an extreme place to take the argument, but I think it's really interesting. And in a similar way, art has always been stolen and plagiarized. There have always been people, like since the beginning of time, who've created things or made things, patterns, whatever it might be, that were then, you know, used again and never actually ended up as money in their pockets. And to your point, the way that actors get compensated for streaming services is very different to how they get compensated for movies that get distributed in the cinema, et cetera, mm-hmm. et cetera. And if that is a paradigm shift, it might be that you just can't really make it to be a multimillionaire as an actor anymore, 50 years from now, 100 years from now. Maybe that's just what happens. Maybe it's just like a big reset on the whole industry and a flattening of the wages. Who knows? But it's a possibility. Yeah, I mean, what tends to happen is that when the internet affects an industry, the top gets all the income and the middle and the bottom gets nothing basically. But like, look at music. So, how many musicians don't even make money when their songs are being played because of however mm-hmm. their label negotiated the deal. They don't even have the rights to the song. They don't even have this. It's not a given that just because you are an artist, you are going to be rich. And I think in Hollywood, it has been, right? It's like, I have a blockbuster movie. I want to be a billionaire. And the world is changing. And I'm sure it's scary. And I'm sure it's terrifying. And I'm sure it's sad. But in many ways, they were being paid too much anyway. I know that's controversial. Like I consume a lot of media and all that kind of stuff. But like if jobs actually were paid for the value they give to society, teachers, nurses, cleaners, bus drivers, like we've got people striking here in the UK that genuinely get people from A to B. And I think they need to get paid more. I'm not saying actors aren't any more important artists are important but i mean they've been doing all right 
I mean, I, I kind of disagree. I think that what I'm saying is that I think the DiCaprio's and the top guys will continue to get a bunch of money. But mm. I think the person who's the bit part actor in a TV show now, basically, is probably going to need to be stacking shelves now, basically, because we as consumers now demand for 10 bucks a month, I get your show never and i can just binge it basically and what's happening now actually is that what studio what streaming services are doing now which could never happen before is that if a show flops in order to prevent paying anybody residuals they'll just take down the show and delete it completely which never used to happen before so you literally can't find the show let's say you love a show let's say all of a sudden hbo says we're going to take down insecure from all of our servers you can't buy it on dvd you can't buy it, watch it on stream it it does no longer exist because we don't want to pay Issa rate any more money that's what's actually been happening with certain shows. Not shows of that success, but shows of that might have been a mid-flop or that might have got good in, you know, in two or three seasons' time. So it, it, the economics are shifting and it's going to screw a lot of people. But I hear you, listen, obviously, compared to the cleaners and the teachers, are actors the biggest concern? No, they're not. But I don't no, think the philosophy of like, because these guys are getting screwed, it should be okay that that's those not my guys philosophy. get screwed. That's no, not my philosophy. That's not, not my that's philosophy. The, that's the worst case interpretation <laughs> of it. You know what I'm saying? That's the least yeah, okay, interpretation. Yeah. But like, you know, this, that can happen sometimes where we're like, you know, I see it even in the UK when train drivers are striking. Yeah, but I get paid like nothing. So why should they get paid something? It's like, we've got to have a bit more solidarity than that. Not just a sick, not just basically look at people fighting for their income and not say they shouldn't get that yeah. because other people are not getting it, right? What, but, what we don't, the case, you know what I mean? but we don't respect artists as individuals, mm-hmm. as cons- individual consumers, we don't respect artists enough. Like we say, we love Succession, it's the greatest ever show in the world, but how many people were actually watching Succession on their own subscription that they're actually paying for and not like someone else's logins <laughs> that they, <laughs> you know, finessed. And I just think I have a lot of empathy and compassion for artists all around the world because we live in a version of reality where their work isn't valued the mm-hmm. way that it should be. And, you know, people are happy to cheap on art cheap out on art and they don't recognize like the sacrifice that goes into it anyway i hope they're successful i know the studios can afford to pay better pay more equitably pay more fairly i would hope that they sort out their toxic masculinity and misogyny a bit better first but i guess they can do that in parallel let's see what happens but here's the million dollar question are you watching barbie or oppenheimer first which one are you watching or Ooh. any i'm watching oppenheimer first oh okay <laughs> yeah. okay 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 you know yeah. what honestly you? You? You know what? i'm watching barbie first i'm keeping it real because you know what yeah the last two christopher <laughs> nolan movies are just not have not been great for me i didn't like dunkirk and i didn't like tenet oh, and i find his movies they're humorless over serious you know thing and he's he's lost the magic so i'm going barbie shout out to margot robbie you see me in the pink front row let's go let's go diverse casting Issa ray and, and see me losing there as well let's go <laughs> all right we'll catch you a lot later that's been this week's techish uh thanks for listening hit us up on hashtag techish or hit at techish pod on instagram and twitter leave a review tell a friend tell a friend thanks once again for always listening and we'll catch you next week bye thanks, bye